When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody, welcome to Take the Black Live. I am Dan Selke, the host of uh, the editor of WinnersComing.net, here with Cheryl Wassenaar, the editor of Cultures. How are you doing today, Cheryl? I'm good, Dan. How are you? Really well. You seem a little uh, happy. <laughs> Glad to see that. And we're here to talk about all things Game of Thrones and a song of ice and fire. Dan Glad was cracking s- jokes right before we went live, so that's why I'm cracking up right now. I was speaking truth. Um, well, that too, but it was funny. Yes. And thanks everybody who's showed up. Hey, Kathy. Everyone. Hey, Diane. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Lauren, got to see you all. And we have, actually, we have a bit of a somber topic today. Oh, no. I better stop laughing now, huh? The top, well, I mean, some people get uncomfortable and they laugh in times of pain. You can do that. Okay. But uh, the topic is endings. Game of Thrones is almost over. And what we're seeing now is more and more prominent cast members just kind of letting us know that they're finished and, mm-hmm. and really saying their goodbyes to the show right. Like, right. in a very explicit way. And I thought we would take some opportunity to just kind of talk about what they're saying, how we feel about Let's it, and how, it. And, how, and how we're going to say goodbye to Game of Thrones process. as fans and as a community, because it's yes. going to be a process. We don't, we don't have to quite Absolutely. yet, but for right now, people are saying goodbye. For example, Sophie Turner, Sansa yes. Stark, of course, from Sansa Stark, got this pretty cool tattoo it is pretty that sweet. says, the pack survived, which is so sweet, isn't it? It is. It also made everyone start theorizing about what it means. They did, which is ridiculous. I mean, I, oh, I saw some bit. places where like, oh, is it a spoiler for season eight? Like, no, it's somebody, I mean, it's, it said to me, clearly, right. it said just, this is a person who's been on this show for eight years of their life. Yeah. And now they're done and they're getting a tattoo to commemorate it. Yes. That's what it said to me. I mean, 
I'm not above saying that like maybe it kind of indicates, but it's something for season eight. But at the same time, like it's been a theme of the show and the Starks as a family, even though Game of Thrones has also killed off the majority of them. Um, A solid half. Mm -hmm. I was an English major. Math's not my strong suit. Um, But, you know, that kind of idea that this collective unit is still going to survive somehow. Yeah, or just, to me, just like the the memory and the cast and the family that she formed there will survive. Aw, that's much I I just think it's a... uh, I mean, it makes the most sense to me. It does. It does make a lot of sense. And anyway, after that, Amelia Clark posted uh, an an Instagram post that was very emotional. Yeah. Writing, um, hopped on a boat to an island to say goodbye to the land that has been my home away from home for almost a decade. It's been a trip, Game of Thrones. Thank you for the life I never dreamed I'd be able to live and the family I'll never stop missing. Hashtag last season it is. Hashtag broken heart. I think she meant last season-itis. Oh, I don't know. Like senior-itis? I don't Oh, is it? Probably. The point is, it's very sweet, and <laughs> she is bidding an official goodbye to the show. Right. Which, again, I mean, it, it, it's got to be pretty intense, right? Mm-hmm. For people who, if you devote your life to this for years and years right. and years. Especially for the younger members of the cast, where they've effectively kind of grown up literally grew up. show. Right. You know, like Isaac Hempstead Wright, um, Lizzie I mean, Williams, even Sophie Turner and Amelia Clark. Oh, totally. Have all yeah, kind of... Clark. And we could hear into that. I mean, right. they, they might not have like been youngins, like eleven-year-olds, but they, they, their careers were made with this show. Basically, like their formative years. The show made them in the stars. Right. It's just, it's very emotional. It is. By the way, hey to Catherine from Dairy City, wet and windy. Lauren Grothrons with anger. We'll get to that in a minute. And finally, this is the one that kind of really said to me, "Oh, it's really over." <laughs> More than anything else. Right. Kit Harrington plays Jon Snow, talking to, I think it was, Entertainment Weekly. Yes, it was. Said that uh, after the show is done shooting, he's going to cut his hair short, short. But then he said he's going to keep the beard. Yeah, which is fine. Get the beard. Which made me think of Oscar Isaac and Ex Machina. If anyone watching or listening has seen the, that movie, where he's got very close-cropped yeah. hair and then the yeah, yeah, beard. Yeah. I could see Like, it. now I just keep picturing Kit Harrington with the same aesthetic. Just, I mean... Those iconic sure. locks. It, they are impressive. I mean, you think of Game of Thrones, you think dragons, you think White Walkers, and you think Jon Snow's hair. To me, it's, it's those three things. Pretty much. I mean, it's not wrong. <laughs> and just the but, idea yeah. that they're going to be gone, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird it to look gonna at. It is going to be weird, but at the same time, we also get one last look at them in 2019. You do. So... That'll make the going a little easier. And I'm sure when he goes to like a midlife crisis, he'll go on back for fun. Yeah. But they'll be gone for a long time. Can't blame him, though. I Honestly, mean... that is what's going to signal to me it, it's really <laughs> over. When I see a picture of Kate Harrington out in public with short cropped hair, I think that's going to be when I kind of like have my have breakdown moment. moment like, oh my God, it's actually done. It's over. What are you going to do with yourself, yeah. Dan? We'll have to see. You'll just hear like a shriek from my desk and you'll know it. it, it you don't it have to happened. shriek. I sit right across from you. Well, I'm sorry, but you're whimpering, going to hear one. Whimpering will suffice. I don't make any promises. <laughs> Good thing I always keep headphones on. Me. Okay. So anyway, they're all saying goodbye. Right. We're going to have to say goodbye. We do. Are there any... Have you ever gone through this process, Shales? Whatever like a fandom that you were a part of or a show or a TV show or book series that you loved... That came to an end, you had to kind of reckon with it. Because Game of Thrones is a big part of 
not just pop culture mm-hmm. consciousness, but mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people are very passionate about it. I mean, it's true. It's, it's why we can do the show. We love the show. And it's like anything else when something comes to an end, there, there's a bittersweetness to it. It's true. I mean, I've had to say goodbye to shows like Sailor Moon, um, which was a big thing when I was a child. I'm dating myself very clearly. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it kind of fell off the radar um, when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And, like, I never stopped loving Sailor Moon, but it became really hard to, like, seek out new things about it. Like, sure. you know you would get into sort of the fandom community because it never really died necessarily. It just kind of went underground a little bit. And then they revived the show in my, uh, in my college years. And, uh, and now I'm right back on the train. But um, there is that kind of sense of <laughs> the fandoms never going to go away so much. Yeah, it's, like a... it's, it's more just it's going to change forms a little it's bit. It's like the relationship dies, but the love lasts forever. Yes. But maybe, maybe not as, maybe not as relationship. I don't know. But yes, it's pretty. In it's, some ways, a right. show that you love is like a relationship. You know it very well. You study it. You spend a lot of time with it. This metaphor is getting. Accurate. I and mean, when it's over, you have to move on. <laughs> I mean, okay, sure. I'll give you that one. Corey lost, of course. She was taken by lost. Yes. Stuff like that. I can see it. it. Um, it's more kind of. It's never going to go away. Like we're going to be able to rewatch the show over and over. There's a reason. And and there are already prepping spinoffs and stuff. Exactly. There's going to be spinoffs. Basically, like like you know, like a snap of the fingers. It's gonna. We're gonna be more Game of Thrones immediately. So, in a lot of ways, I think what the Game of Thrones community fandom is going to have to go through is going to be different from a lot of other shows just because we already know that there's a spinoff. We're not going to have to pray for a revival. We're not going to have to beg Netflix right. to save the show. We're not going to have to, you know, plead. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Having to beg Netflix to save Game of Thrones. All right. Like, dear, dear Hulu, please make <laughs> season nine of Game of Thrones. Like, that's not going to happen. No. So in a lot of ways, I think the fandom is going to have a different Some closure, reckoning. maybe. Right. You know, we have the closure for Game of Thrones, but mm-hmm. we know that it's not an end, but an and. To <gasps> I love that. It's a nice one. I stole that oh. um, from Super Junior, one of my favorite K-pop groups. Um, so, but that's kind of the lesson I'm taking from it is that it's never going to really end in a lot of ways. It's just going to take a different form. Right. I and, mean, like fandoms like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings are mm-hmm. around for, you know, a very long time after their official thing is over. And I, in Star Wars too, I expect Game of Thrones to join that pantheon and it'll just be a... Uh, yeah. It'll, it'll, it's gonna be right it'll become there. a star in the sky of pop culture love. And now that now we're getting to Lion King sort of things. I'm on the metaphor roll today. You yeah. are. Uh, anyway, let's go to some comments really quickly. Let's do uh, it. Lauren Groff. It's like, even if everyone survives, everyone dies. Oh, that's another sweet one. Whoa. I don't want a life with knowing what shit Tyrion is up to. His character development has been so random in the most perfect way. Fair enough. So will the... Write some you know, fan fiction. Will the, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> we should talk about that. I'm fascinated by that whole world. Fan fiction? Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. How so? What draws people to do it? What, what makes them want to go inside that world and get inside their heads? And, but that's not going to be a topic. That's, Let's, that's um, for another show. It really is. <laughs> I don't read it, but the idea is fascinating to me. I do, so that, oh, cool. that's a topic about? for another show. Anyway, uh, 
it's not, we're not done yet. It's, we're we're nope. talking about saying goodbye. But there is still things happening on the set of Game of Thrones Season 8, and we're going to talk about them right now. Let's do it. Some new things are still coming together. Nikolaj Koster-Waldau plays Jamie Lannister. Always mm -hmm. a, a, a pretty good font of information because he kind of has a loose mouth. A little bit. Um, confirmed that he is not done filming. He's going back. He's filmed Jamie's final scene. You know, crossing the fingers for Brienne marriage or getting eaten by a dragon, whatever. <laughs> Por and, qué uh, no los dos? He, he, he gave away a bit of a spoiler. A so little bit. Cover your ears like, cover one ear. It's not that bad of a spoiler. But uh, he revealed, Nikolaj Kostowalda, that Jamie will share scenes with Davos Seaworth next yes. year. And he's looking forward to yes. that. Would you, yeah, are, are, yes. are, 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 are you into that scene? Yes! Davos and Jamie are like my, like, I want Davos and Jamie to be my two terrible uncles. So <laughs> the fact that they're together being terrible uncles, like, is going to delight me to no end. I don't care if the scene's not funny. I will find a way to be amused by it. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, being dramatic. I mean, yeah, I'm excited by that. Those are two great characters. It's Why true. won't we have a scene together? Two very well-acted characters. And well-developed with, like, mm -hmm. you know, the great thing about Game of Thrones at this point is that everyone's so well-developed and just right. had these journeys, so it's, it's fun to see them clash this late in the game. Exactly. Makes sense. They'll be at Winterfell. I'm looking forward to see what they bring. Mm -hmm. uh, what else? We also know that, not a huge surprise, but Lyanna Mormont, Bella Ramsey will be back in Season 8, the pint-sized ruler of Bear Island. Always happy to see her. I just want her to pull out a sword because she said she's not going to sit knitting while other men fight for her. So. It'd be tiny. It'd be like needle-sized. It's okay. But, but, Maybe a bow. Yeah, she, well, a bow, I don't know. A bow's kind of hard to pull for a little girl. But if or you can try hey. it, I don't see why not. I I believe that Liana Mormont, Mormont can do anything she wants. So. I was going to we didn't get like a Liana Mormont and Arya scene last season. That, that would be that great. That would make sense, right? I feel like those two would click. Mm-hmm. Although Arya did mention her. They did click. And uh, finally... Oh, uh, Kathy mentioned Star Trek too. another fandom that has survived long past its original run. It's true. Fans keep these things alive. It'll, it'll be fascinating to see where Game of Thrones goes. Um, and finally, on the set of King's Landing in Belfast, yes. things are still very much happening. It's still rolling. I, I know these actors are saying their goodbyes, but you wouldn't think it by, look, by looking at what's happening on the actual set. It's true. I mean, for example, at the King's Landing set in Belfast, they're still rolling in this thick fog over the place. Mm -hmm. The buildings are still demolished. There are still cameras in place. It's still mm -hmm. very much happening. And we know it's fog, I believe of an image, because it's lying very low to the ground and uh, is gray rather than black. This is some science. Thank you to Corey Smith of Winter is Coming for pointing that out. Science. So fog in King's Landing rolling eerily over the, uh, the buildings. Yes. You know what it says to me? What does it say, Dan? It says, uh, Army of the Dead, White Walker, Invasion of King's Landing. Doesn't it? Yeah, a little because, bit. Because fog. I mean, fog is what rolls in before the Army of the Dead comes, right? I mean, sure, but maybe it's just, just a cold front. King's <laughs> it's Landing just is, a cold front. King's sure. Landing is on the sea, and it did start snowing at the end of season it's very seven. possible. You know, so it's, it's not impossible that it's something else cold and wintry. Uh, but White Walker seems like a very logical conclusion. I think so, too. <laughs> but and maybe I mean, it's just a cold front. We've also seen smoke, <laughs> like actual black, right. wafty smoke, which right. implies dragons. So just King's Landing, the takeaway is it's going to get a beating in Season 8. I mean, seems legit. Well, then again, didn't, uh, didn't it, in Daenerys' vision, in the House of the Undying, mm -hmm. um, isn't there <gasps> snow? There 
Oh yeah. In the ruined hole of the Red Keep. Yeah, so she has it this could thing be where a cold front in. after all, Dan. <laughs> but what brings the cold front, Cheryl? Winter. The White Walkers. They are winter. Well, that's true. So, uh, deep question: Is it just weather, or is it something more magical? It's more magical. I'm calling it now. <laughs> I'm resolving <laughs> that deep question. But you're right. In, in yeah. uh, the Institute of Now, she goes in. The Red Keep is, she's inside the throne room. Right. It's got a big hole in the, the ceiling. Right. Snow everywhere. I would, wouldn't that be so cool to see that come to pass? I think that, that would be great. That would I, be very exciting. I don't know if it's going to pass literally or just figuratively. Right. But yes, I think that that is one of the things that's going to play kind of a major role. Getting in chills season. kind of thinking about it. <laughs> chills because it's foggy. Cold puns. puns. Metaphors and puns. Yep, that's us. Um, finally, yes. <laughs> uh, let's talk about, do you have any opinions on the news that both Game of Thrones and Westworld are going to skip this year's San Diego Comic-Con in July? Well, I think it kind of makes sense um, just because, you know, they've only, they will probably only have just wrapped mm -hmm. season eight, eight for Game of Thrones. Yeah. And so they're not really going to be able to say, and here's a sizzle, sizzle reel, or here's a trailer. Like They could say something. They could say something, but it, it probably wouldn't be very impressive. I mean, I, I remember when I went to the concert experience before, like right. months and months before season seven. Right. They like had just like a little video showing some behind the scenes stuff. Exactly. And a line that was missing. And that sent people crazy. Like anything right. they show would, would, would work. Right. But... You know, you, you think if you're going to do it at San Diego Comic-Con, because, you mm -hmm. know, not only are the people there going to be pushing and shoving and get in there, people all around the world are going to be like, what is Game of Thrones doing? So I think it's Wouldn't almost... would you want that? No, actually. I think it's a smarter play for them mm. to skip it and be like, we're not going to show you anything yet. Like, you know, it's not to the debacle of watching a block of ice melt <laughs> to try and get the premiere date. Never forget. Ugh. Never. Um, but I think it achieves the goal of keeping people excited and hype because there's still a mystery about what season eight is going to look mm -hmm. like while at the same time not making us watch a, a block of ice melt. I have a different theory. I think they're being cowardly and they don't want to risk anybody giving anything away. That I mean, too. I think it's a perfect time. All the cast members will be raw from just filming the season. Mm -hmm. They'll be like on edge. They'll they'll want to pour out their hearts. I think it would be a good show. Maybe I want to ask just, some questions. Maybe they just want a vacation. They can have one. <laughs> it's just a day. Oh well, I suppose. And for Westworld, like that's even weirder to me. Uh, I mean, their season's gonna wrap up sooner. They're not right. gonna go back to filming for a little bit. Right. I assume. Right. They probably don't have any plans for season three. HBO did sit. Oh, really? <laughs> you think you think they're going to shoot in the dark? I went there. They uh, did say, HBO has a long-standing relationship with SDCC, and we are very grateful for the fans' enthusiastic response over the years. Right. We look forward to returning in the future. Which is to say they don't have any plans for Westworld Season 3. Whoa, that is a bold claim. No, I'm sure they actually do have plans for Season 3. I'm <laughs> just being sassy because I have a lot of trouble with Westworld these days. But that's another show, too. It is. Um... But yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Like, you, you, it's it's a careful dance of what to reveal and what to not reveal. Mm -hmm. um, for yet another metaphor. Um, so it's kind what of, is metaphor? Uh, you know, they're trying to lead us, but they can't lead us too much. 
by getting us too hype or else sure. the dance is going to end prematurely and then we're all going to be bored for the next six months. Why well, I say bring it on. You guys have any opinions? San Diego Comic-Con? Lack of Game of Thrones? Is it conspiracy or is it just coincidence? We'll see. Anyway, Cheryl, any other thoughts on Put any on of this stuff? Put on your tinfoil hats. It's definitely conspiracy. Put on your no, tinfoil hats. <laughs> I saw that in, in New York this past weekend, so it's, it's in my head. I'm sorry. Eight points we can name that song. I know what song it is. I know. So. Anyway, Cheryl, have any other thoughts? No, I'm good. Um, I'm very excited about this fog thing now. But I'm still yeah. convinced it's Poor just King's weather. Landing, man. It's just gonna be <laughs> no, King's Landing deserves to be broken. All right. But, all right. Thank you very much, Cheryl. Bye, everyone. Till next Wednesday at 4. Yep. And now we'd like to bring on fan sided editor extraordinaire Josh Hill for our weekly segment, A Song of Dan and Josh, where Josh and I walk through every single chapter of A Song of Ice and Fire. I've read all the books multiple times, Josh has never read the books. We analyze the chapters, break them down. What makes them work? What's good about them? What's great about them? What's bad about them? And uh, bring our literary analysis to you. Read along with us. Join us. Have fun with us. And we're still on a Game of Thrones, and we have read John 7, yes. a.k.a. Uh, John meets a zombie. Josh, <laughs> John how you doing fights today? a zombie. I'm doing good, Dan. Hello, everybody out there <laughs> who have uh, read this chapter with us, hopefully. Is anybody reading along? That'd be fun. I know some folks have, have, have said they're reading along. I'm not sure how many people are, but yeah, it'd be very cool if they read along. Yeah, because uh, we need to bring—we're going to personally bring literary analysis back into the, back into mainstream. We're going to go are. national with this, we and are. it's going to be a huge thing to set off. We're going to teach people to love to read. Con of Thrones next year. There will be a panel. <laughs> Literacy is back. I'd do it. Anyway, um, Johnson. We only yes. need one chapter because I was busy. Yep. Um, that was the, a good the, chapter. The, you think that was a good chapter? Yeah. What were overall thoughts? Hit me with a thought. Um, well, so straight away, just the whole, I mean, we have to talk about the end of the chapter first, because that's the most exciting sure. thing. I mean, there was things in there like John's learning more about the Ned Stark treason narrative. Yeah, that was a big part of it. Like, down. And we find out where the black hand came from, or the, the hand that the ghost had, which actually ties into the right. end of the chapter, the whites. So right. the zombie fight. And there, it was actually a little terrifying reading it. It Dude, was very descriptive. I wrote down this bit. Like, where John is, the, the whole chapter is about, they, so, so they go out in the forest, they find mm -hmm. some dead Night's Watchmen, possibly Benjamin Stark's men, they bring them back, they don't know yet that they're going to rise in the middle of the night and no. seek vengeance on the living. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, but one does, yep. and John tussles with it, and it, it's, it is a pretty terrifying fight. It's yeah. uh, when John opened his mouth to scream, the white jammed its black corpse fingers into John's mouth. Gagging, he tried to shove it off, but the dead man was too heavy. Its hand forced itself farther down his throat, icy cold, choking him. Mm -hmm. Like, not only is that just, like, that, that's horrible to think about. <laughs> it, it, it's, I, I haven't seen that really done in, no. a, in other zombie movies. Like, you know, no. I've watched my share. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's a new take, trying to <laughs> shove the hand into the mouth. It's, that's, it's yeah, it's like a, a new take on fighting in general. Like, it's the idea that you're up against this undead... Mm -hmm. zombie nasty looking thing is terrifying enough but just the act of it like trying to shove its hand in your mouth is like a fighting tactic is something that i've never it's really so violative of. yeah and like That's i could almost like when i was reading it like taste it in my mouth like oh. some like chalky ice <laughs> like i don't know what zombie fingers taste like but oh. i would imagine it's probably like 
cold and icy cold know. choking him. Hey, yeah, that's so. good writing. If you can feel it in your throat when the zombie's choking Jon Snow, that's good writing. Right, and it was just like very uncomfortable to read. Not in like, ooh, I want to stop reading, but like in a visceral way. It's not the first time it's happened in the book too. There's been other instances here where it's right. George R. R. Martin's been so descriptive. Found some unique detail. Yeah. And it's good because I mean zombies are, are in a way they're they're kind of played out almost like there's been yeah. so many mm-hmm. and, and you have to find like a new angle on mm-hmm. them and it seems like he does. Yeah. Way, Chantel asked and we know when the new season's going to start. Nobody knows, Chantel. We're <laughs> all just waiting. Let's go back to the start of the chapter. Yeah. So it starts when John and Sam and just the Night's Watchmen are all following Ghost and his mm-hmm. dead hand to find these uh dead Night's Watchmen corpses. Yep. And uh they find them. I, I like this one line where John's looking at the corpses. And he's, uh, they're probably Benjamin Stark's men. Mm-hmm. Benjamin's nowhere to be found. My uncle's men, John thought numbly. He remembered how he'd pleaded to ride with them. Because I was such a green boy back then. <laughs> Which I kind of liked because yeah. it's been like three months yeah. since like the last time when he saw Benjamin. And he, he's, he's still pretty green. But it, make, it, it, it rang true because, I mean, yeah, when you're young and cocky like that, you, mm-hmm. you think like, oh, three months ago was ages ago. <laughs> like it really, it, it doesn't change that much. I think... And Martin plays with that when yeah. he sees the bodies and, like, he can't handle it almost, John. John could feel his breakfast churning in his belly, but he pressed his lips together and managed and made himself look at the second body. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, you know, how hard can you really be if your job is to kill wildlings and zombies and right. you can't send the sight of one? So he still has a ways to go. Yeah. But I, I like that he thinks of himself as, like, grizzled now. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good character beat. It's like the uh, stand by me or whatever. They see a dead body and it's yeah. like, nah. Boys became men that day. It's like <laughs> John grew right. up when he saw him. When he drive a car. <laughs> anyway, they go on. Sam, proving his worth, yep. uh, points out that it's weird that there's no blood on the scene, mm-hmm. and just the whole thing is pretty eerily written. Mm-hmm. Like we have the things like the dogs and the horses not liking them, mm-hmm. a classic zombie bit or just a supernatural yeah. bit. And the movies like where the dog starts barking because yeah. there's some kind of it, it always happens. Yeah, no exception here. <laughs> um, although I. Uh, what do you think of uh, this whole bit where they're going out beyond the wall and finding the stuff? The yeah. Tomb, the stuff, the plot it, points. It was kind of a lot like the end of the chapter in that it was the writing really. Real set quick, the though, there. just Lauren Groth asked, What book and chapter are you on? Lauren, we are on A Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. John 7, when John uh, meets his first white. Yep. Okay, go on. No, but it's like it really set the mood. Like you talk mm-hmm. about the zombie or the white, I should call them zombies sticking fingers down john's throat yeah. and everything like that you could almost taste it yeah. and same here it was like very chilled like you could feel like you're totally the hair rising on your arms a little bit the goosebumps because it's you feel it's very a very cold setting that george r, r. martin has very like you said eerie mysterious it could almost like i mean i know we see it on the show but as i was reading it this is like the most vividly imagined chapter that I've had where it's just everything's on yeah, that I like blue it. tint and it's like the white snow and you can see like the the fog and the air blowing and it's just every there's you know you get the dead bodies but everything around it the world earth is just dead so like that's kind that's of like stuff. a very like poignant writing I think I'm not sure if you've noticed this but like of all the everything I've ever read like Martin has a great way of vividly describing cold yeah like, oh, yeah. I, I don't know, like, where he finds the words, but, like, I, I remember his descriptions of cold more than mm-hmm. I could do other things. Like, the way it seeps inside you, yep. eats it from the inside out, the iciness. He's, he's very good at it. It's, yeah. it's, it's useful because a lot of his story deals with cold. Mm-hmm. So just, I, I like that part of it. 
Anyway, they trek him back. And the other big part of this chapter, apart from the zombie fight, is Jon Snow grappling with um, the news that Ned Stark has been taken prisoner. Mm -hmm. One quick point, I always make this point, but, I mean, the last three chapters were Ned gets arrested, and then Sansa and Arya deal with the aftermath. One chapter later, the Wall already knows, and they're working through the consequences. Mm -hmm. Again, I love that. I love that this is pretty snappy, that we're not wasting too much time with in-between stuff. Happens in chapter... One, we get the consequence of chapter mm-hmm. two. That's nice. And again, it won't happen later books, but <laughs> I just keep foreshadowing that. Um, how was John feeling about this when he hears the news? How, how, how does he react? It was, a, it was a mixture of, at least the way I read it, denial. He's like, there's no way. Bit. Oh, yeah. Like, this is my, you know, my father, or so he thinks. Like, this is my father figure, I guess. An honorable kind of guy. Yeah, there's no way that he could have done this. And so, recall, in the story he's getting yeah. is that Ned tried to usurp the throne yeah, and take it. It's yeah. not the real thing that we saw, mm-hmm. where it was much more complicated and nuanced. Which I did like, because we talk about the North being so far up and word mm-hmm. traveling. So in the one chapter, we have Ned and all this stuff happening. And now the story is already... He's, it's starting he's, to morph. Yeah, he's trying to overthrow the, the throne yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And you can see, even though they're not in the chapters... Cersei and all of the inner workings that she Barris, has. little thing everybody Yeah, just, the, you want to talk about the cold, just kind of like going <laughs> across Westeros all the way to the north. and like Very nice. I, I, I like that. It was very, again, with George R. R. Martin with the subtle details. It's like, oh, okay. Because it's like, we're in John's head. Nothing to do with anything in King's Landing. Hasn't He's been no King's clue. Landing. No way of no clue. But in the back of your mind, I can imagine, like, you know, like a family guy cutaway or something. Like, <laughs> Cersei and everybody doing everything, getting the word out, and then cut back to John. It's already reached him at the wall. And then it's like a game of telephone. Like, how many times has the story changed as it's gone from the south to the north? Right. So. Well, I mean, I mean who, who's writing the letters? It's, yeah. it's Cersei. Yeah. I think the people who won. They're, mm-hmm. They're not putting... You know, Ned <laughs> no. nobly tried to expose yeah. my incest, yeah. and then do, they're putting their virtual story, which is yeah. he tried. To, he's terrible. And he's treasonous, mm-hmm. and we put him in jail. Like that's the version they're going to sell. Right. Obviously, it's a whole, yeah. you know, the whole the old cliche history, history trip by the victors. Like yeah. that, that's what's happening here. They're mm-hmm. trying to make the narrative. It's like in the show, and we remember that play Arya watched. Yep. And it's just the version of what happened in King's Landing, but again, the the Lannister version of it, <laughs> yeah. where the Lannisters are all really nice and yeah. it's a treacherous buffoon. That's that's beginning, mm-hmm. and that's unfortunately how Ned's going to be remembered. Yeah, for better for well for worse, I guess. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, he is very conflicted. How could they think his father was a traitor? Had they all gone mad? Lord Edward Stark would never dishonor himself, would he? Mm-hmm. He fathered a bastard. A small <laughs> voice whispered inside him, "Where is the honor in that? And your mother? What of her? You will not even speak her name." So he is a conflicted bastard. Yeah, the uh, angel and the devil on the shoulder. Like he's my dad. It's like, but he's your bastard father. It's <laughs> like. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so the Lord Commander Mormont calls him in, yep. and he tells him to not do anything stupid. Mm-hmm. What's he talking about there? Like, what stupid thing might John do? I thought it would be something like leave and try to fix things. I did too, actually, when I first read it. The fixing it, I think, is just more or less not letting your emotions get to you and mm-hmm. not letting this thing become bigger than what you are because it is something he can't help. This is all yeah. the way in the South. Whether or not he thinks his father or Ned did this, didn't do this, how it feels is being treated, whether you should believe it or not, how people around him interpret it, which is mm-hmm. another big part of the chapter, that shouldn't affect his job because he's part of the Night's Watch. Exactly. That is his duty. 
he needs to be focused on that and that alone. So that kind of mentorship going back and forth there. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's trying to be nice to John. Actually, everyone's trying to be nice to John. I thought it was kind of sweet mm -hmm. uh, the way, like, John is kind of going about his business, but everybody knows. Yeah. Like, everybody knows what happened to his dad. Well, then there's Thorn throughout Sir Alistair Thorn. Most so. people are nice. Most people. <laughs> like, you know, we get, we get a, this whole little sequence where he's in, like, the mess hall. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, the hob the cook gives him an extra helping of venison <laughs> yeah. stew which is cute yeah sam offers to pray with him beyond the wall even though sam's terrified of everything beyond the wall supposed to be on the wall one rant i like this like one of the guards like we don't even have a name just tells him to <laughs> be strong which yeah. just it's just like it's hang in there kid like <laughs> that kind this. of thing yeah so everyone's trying to really nice him which i actually think is kind of nice yeah. like the night's watch looking out for their own with the exception of alistair thorne of who, course <laughs> I think, what does he say? He says, like, oh, not just a bastard, but a traitor's bastard. Yep. At which point, John does the opposite of what Lord Grant tells him to do. Does something stupid, attacks him, mm -hmm. Alistair Thorne, and then he gets locked in a cell. Which is kind of set up for the whole zombie the white, portion yeah. of the episode, where he has to kind of break out. And yeah. they have the bit where, like, again, the dogs, they love using dogs. Like, mm -hmm. The dog's, like, clawing at the door. Mm -hmm. It's like, what's up, boys? It's creepy. And then we get into that whole uh, other very supernatural, very strange part of the chapter, which I thought was... Which, by the way, we leave unfinished. Yeah. Do, do you like that? Like, the, the end of the chapter is just uh, John throws this, like, ball of flaming curtains at it. Mm -hmm. And I think the last line is like, please let it burn. And then we cut away. Yeah. I, I got the impression of... Not to keep bringing it back to a Family Guy cutaway, but every time Peter <laughs> fights the chicken and then he's walking away and the chicken's just dead and then it'll like open its eye. And it's like at the end of a movie, like, sure. you know, the bad guy's not really dead. <clears throat> I got that feeling from it here, even though it's not that played up, but that whole, is it dead? Is it not dead? Is this the end? So I like that we ended on a little bit of open-endedness. Sure. It's, it's because it is almost a greater theme to these aren't going anywhere. These whites and the white walkers right. and all that, it's not like going that. anywhere. It's going to be a big thing. So kind of not killing this one is metaphorically being like, there's more to come. So I liked it. Yeah. It's also like, I mean, this one white did a lot of damage. Yeah. And like knowing that we're going to have an army of them, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an intense way. It, it, it's a lot to live up to. Yeah. Uh, I had another point, but I completely forgot it. Um, yeah, whites, they're bad. They're scary. <laughs> Before we sign off, I'd like to read a bit on uh, page 558, where John remembers stuff old Nan used to tell him about the long night. And I, I was reading it, and I'm like, hey, old Nan described the spinoff. Because mm -hmm. th this is oh. the long night, the Age of Heroes, basically, okay. is what it's going to be about. Um, this is old Nan describing to John the first time the White Walkers came. In that darkness, the others came riding. Cold and dead they were, and they hated iron and fire and the touch of the sun, and every living creature with hot blood in its veins. Hold fast in cities and kingdoms of men, all fell before them as they moved south on pale dead horses, leading hosts of the slain. They fed their dead servants with the flesh of human children, dot, 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 and then he gets distracted. But the point <laughs> is, and I was reading that, like, oh, like, that's what the spell's going to be about. Huh. So kudos, old man, for being way ahead of your time. There you go. And uh, foreshadowing man. all that. <laughs> By the way, in the comments, uh, Wendy says they haven't aired season seven yet, so we're talking about season eight. I'm confused. They actually have aired, aired season seven, Wendy. Um, aired last year, and they're making season eight. So, for better or worse, we're on to the end. Anyway, uh, any other thoughts on John 7? John meets a zombie? No. 
it was a very visceral chapter. So yeah, he's, he's pretty good at that. Yeah. He, I mean, that's part of the reason it takes long to write. He does take the time to really, I don't know, describe things in minute detail mm-hmm. so much that you taste it in your mouth. Yep. Let's go back to uh, two chapters, I think. Okay. We can do the next Bran, and then after that... Uh-oh, it's long. And then a Daenerys. Ooh, back to Daenerys. Back to Daenerys. We will join we'll see you all here next week at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time for more Game of Thrones news, more Song of Fire discussion, and more of A Song of Dan and Josh. Thanks everyone for watching, and we'll see you next week. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.